When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg podcast. I am your host Gareth Bahanna and as always alongside me fellow Pensburg writer Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been since last week's episode? Uh besides coming down with covid, not too bad, Garrett. Um but feeling better uh, than what I was uh, a couple days ago and last weekend, so uh day to time, but other than that, um doing pretty good. Well, it's good to see that you're uh, thankfully on the upswing from your bout from COVID, and uh, thankfully, Robbie, the, the Penguins are here now that now that the Steelers are officially eliminated from postseason contention. I know a lot of uh, a lot of focus is going to shift to the hockey team in Pittsburgh, and for those that may have not have been keeping a closer eye on the hockey team in Pittsburgh, the Penguins are doing pretty well for their, for themselves right about now. Uh, as we always do uh, at the start of a Pensburg podcast episode, we will start off with a recap segment of what the Penguins have been doing in their last stretch of games. And we'll start this recap segment this week with a look at the game that they played against the Los Angeles Kings on January 13th, 2022. And Robbie, uh, a quick glance at this game. Uh, it was actually pretty close, at least looking at the box score, but the Los Angeles Kings would win this one by a score of 6-2 to two, thanks to scoring four goals in the third period. A uh, very uncharacteristic performance from the Penguins, seeing as uh, they have been on quite a roll in recent weeks, racking up the wins and racking up the points. So Chris Letang actually gets the scoring going, his second goal of the campaign at the 442 mark of the first period. Pittsburgh out to a one nothing lead over the Los Angeles Kings. However, Anze Kopitar would find the equalizer for Los Angeles at the 1348 mark of the first period, and both teams would head into the intermission tied at one. Into the second period, uh, Los Angeles' veteran Dustin Brown gets his sixth tally of the season on the power play at the 1432 mark of the second period. That would be all the scoring you'd see uh, until we get into the third period where an explosion happens. However, Redeem Zahorna would score his first goal of the season uh, to tie the game up at two for both clubs uh, just over 90 seconds into the third period. And uh, this is where things started to take a downturn for the Penguins. Mikey Anderson would score his first goal of the season for the Kings at the 3.07 mark of the third period. The Kings would retake the lead and they would not look back as Victor Arvidsson would follow that up with his ninth goal of the season to make it a two-goal difference between both clubs. Anze Kopitar would get his second goal of the game to make it 5-2 to two Kings, and Sean Dersey would get his second goal of the campaign at the 18-20 mark of the third period, the final goal. Los Angeles wins 6-2. to two. Robbie, there's not a lot you can take away from this game. Uh, you're going to have clunkers like this throughout an 82-game season. 
And uh, while the Penguins did uh, did tie it up on the uh, on the score sheet at least uh, at the start of the third period, you look at some of these statistics here uh, at the in the box score. Uh, the Kings had 45 shots on goal to the Penguins 29. The Kings win 59 percent of their faceoffs to the Penguins 42. Uh, the Kings were one for three on their power play, only only uh, committed one penalty throughout the contest. Uh, had a couple more blocks, uh, but overall, uh, especially in the third period, Robbie, it was pretty pretty much domination from the Kings. And uh, like I said, I don't read too much into this score. You're facing a Western Conference team uh, where points obviously aren't as valuable as they possibly would be against a team like the Capitals, the Rangers, or the Hurricanes. So you're going to have a clunker like this from time to time. And uh, for me, I just look at it as a, a, a game you just move on from. So I'll hand it over to you. Uh, what did you like, or in this case, probably dislike from the Penguins' performance on January 13th? I really like what you said there about it being a clunker because that's probably the best way to describe a contest like that, especially from the Penguins' perspective. Uh, when they tied it, for as bad as they played, when they tied the game there early in the third period, I kind of got like, man, maybe they can find a way to pull this out. They don't definitely don't deserve anything out of this. Uh, and then right after that, L.A. takes the lead again, and that kind of felt like any chance the Penguins had to come back was – a race at that point, and uh, Los Angeles took care of it from that point on. Uh, like you said, scoring four, uh, four unanswered goals, and in the fourth, in the third period, to uh, put a bow on it and get the win. But uh, yeah, long road trip. Um, you were coming off uh, uh, wins coming into that, and that's just uh, that's just um, how it rolls. It wasn't um, a blown third period lead, at least like it was in Dallas, uh, but. I mean, you got the win in Anaheim, so, uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah, like you said, you're going to have games like that, and the Penguins had a game like that that night, but but you, that's just the kind of game you shake off and get ready get ready for the next one, and don't worry too much about because, um, I mean, L.A. is not a terrible team. They're not a great team, but uh, the puck don't bounce your way sometimes. The Penguins always seem to have some trouble with the Kings and in LA anyway. So uh, just shake it off and move it on to the next one. Robbie, you mentioned there uh, while you were uh, dissecting the game that you thought at, at the point at which the Penguins tied, you thought that maybe that they were giving you a glimmer of hope to maybe, um, maybe get something out of this game. And, and while they didn't, they would move on to their next game. And as we get into the, looking at this game, some of that similar sentiment might, might carry over into the next game as well as they did battle with the San Jose Sharks on January 15th. Uh, this was a game that the Penguins would win 2-1 to one in overtime. Rudolph's Balsers actually gets the scoring going. He scores the only goal for the San Jose Sharks uh, at the 7-0-1 mark of the first period. However, Chris Letang, continuing his goal-scoring threat from the previous game, he ties the game up for the Penguins just past the midway point of the first period. And that would be all the offense that both teams would muster uh, until the overtime period where 37 seconds into overtime, Jake Gensel uh, would score his 19th goal of the season thanks to a wonderful assist from Sidney Crosby. If you haven't seen this goal, I do implore uh, Penguins fans to go just take a look at the, the skating ability of Sidney Crosby alone on this goal. 
as he sets up Jake Gensel to get the game winner 37 seconds into overtime. So the Penguins get the extra point, Robbie. They leave San Jose with two points. Uh, but that, that sentiment, like I mentioned, that you were talking about, they really didn't deserve to take anything away from the Los Angeles Kings game. You could make the argument, Robbie, that they really didn't ta- deserve to take anything away from the San Jose Sharks here. The Sharks leave with the loser point, uh, but the Penguins emerge victorious with only 27 shots on goal to San Jose's 41. The Penguins only win 33% of their faceoffs to San Jose's 67% of San Jose's faceoffs. Uh, the Sharks also go 0 for 4 on the power play, so the Sharks have more power play opportunities. That means the Penguins were committing more of the infractions than the Sharks did. The Sharks also outhit the Penguins 28 to 21, outblocked the Penguins 18 to 16. Uh, Robbie, uh, this was uh, more of the same as as you kind of alluded to in that Kings game. They really didn't deserve it, but I will say, Robbie, good teams find ways to win, even if the stats don't back them up. And I think that's in large part. You look at the star power, thirty-seven seconds into overtime. Jake Gensel is an all-star this year. Sidney Crosby doing his thing, setting up his line mate to get that winner in overtime and take the two points. So I'll hand it over to you, Robbie. What were your thoughts from the January 15th game against the San Jose Sharks? Uh, This was the Louis Domingue uh, statement game, we'll call it. Uh, 40 saves on 41 shots. Uh, Really the only reason the Penguins got one point, let alone two. Jake Ensel uh, with the overtime goal, of course, uh, uh, to, to get that extra point on a beautiful... Uh, set up by one Sidney Crosby. But the big story here was Louis Domingue. Uh, and coming out of this game, the big talking point was, did Domingue make a case for the backup role, uh, the permanent backup role uh, over Casey Smith? And I think, again, we talked about this the past two or three episodes. What can the Penguins do um, to improve at the trade deadline? And we said the one thing being Evgeny Malkin being already in the dressing room, don't even need to make a trade for that one. So what if maybe the Penguins now don't need to make a trade for a goal or a backup goaltender? Uh, again, one start, so you don't want to put uh, too much weight into it. But at the same time, Domingue, he's not just he's not like uh, Maxime Legesse Leg- from last year with that uh, one shot out uh, at the end of the season. Uh, Domingue has a track record in the in the NHL. He played for the Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago. He's a very solid backup. And maybe the Penguins can fix that problem with uh, Domingue, a guy that's already in town, a guy that they don't need to give away any assets for. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, going forward what exactly uh, the plan is, especially with your back-to-backs coming up uh, tonight. We're recording this on Thursday the 20th. Uh, they play the Senators tonight, and then the Columbus Blue Jackets on Friday night. So uh, depending on what the status of Casey Smith is, depending on what the status of uh, or what the plan for the Penguins is with Domingue. Uh, we'll wait and see. The taxi squad is there for another couple weeks at least. Uh, so he'll probably be hanging out in Pittsburgh. Uh, so what the Penguins have planned for him will hopefully kind of be laid out here in the next couple weeks. But getting back to the Sharks game, another game where the Penguins probably weren't the best team on the ice, but every once in a while you need your goaltender, whoever it is, uh, to step up and steal one, and that's what he did, uh, giving them just enough cushion for Jake Gensel to uh, win it in overtime and get uh, a two points and kind of shrug off that uh, Kings loss. 
You're right, Robbie. And uh, Dominguez's performance is something that I think we'll be talking about uh, a little bit, even a little bit later on in this episode. But I do agree with you. I think it's a development worth watching because, as you brought up, uh, this could be an asset that you don't have to trade another team for. If Casey DeSmith continues to falter, uh, and you, you obviously mentioned it, Domingue does have prior NHL experience, so it's not like you're bringing up a, a fresh-faced rookie into a backup role behind uh, Tristan Jari, the all-star, for his performances. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I am intrigued, at least. And look, uh, backup goaltender, If we, and we mentioned this last week, if backup goaltender is the biggest of your issues heading into a playoff run. I think you're doing pretty well for yourself, but uh, you know you're going to need your backup goaltender. You can't have you can't have Tristan Jari be playing 65, 70 games this season in anticipation of a very long, hopefully a very long Stanley Cup run. You you can't have it. You're going to wear him out. It's going to happen. So you know, obviously, we're going to con- to continue to monitor uh, Domingue's performance. Like you said, he'll be affiliated with the taxi squad for at least the next couple of weeks. So uh, I'm very intrigued after his uh, after his stellar play uh, in in the one game he has played so far. He he's made he's possibly made Mike Sullivan have to make some very interesting interesting decisions. So uh, that's something we will. Obviously, keep an eye on as we move forward, and we're going to move forward to the final game of the recap segment uh, from January 17th, a game that the Penguins played in bright and shiny Las Vegas against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Boy, Robbie, I I have no shame in telling you that after the first period of this game, I turned the game off and went to bed. Uh, I know you you can call me a, a fake fan all you want, but it being a 1030 start, and the Penguins going down three nothing in the first period. I was more than willing to catch some shut eye, but uh, I, I wake up in, in bewilderment to see that the Penguins claw their way back and win five to three. So let's uh, let's get this scoring out of the way. Chandler Stevenson gets his eleventh goal of the season at the three forty three mark of the first period. Vegas out to a one nothing lead. Evgeny Dadanov gets his tenth goal of the season, and boom. Vegas is out to a 2-0 lead at the 12-12 mark of the first period, and 30 seconds before the horn expires on the power play, Nicholas Waugh gets his eighth goal of the campaign. Vegas, like I mentioned, goes out to a 3-0 lead before the first horn sounds. And, Robbie, this game was highlighted by the return of one Jason Zucker, and we will be talking about him in greater detail momentarily. He gets his fifth goal of the season. He gets the Penguins on the board at the 6.56 mark of the second period on the power play. Vegas still holding on to a two-goal lead. Teddy Bluger getting his eighth goal of the season at the 7.45 mark of the second period. Now Pittsburgh starting to claw their way back, and you're thinking, well, maybe maybe they have a chance here. Uh, that three-goal lead that Vegas had in the first period doesn't seem so insur- insurmountable now. As we go into the third period, Jason Zucker is credited with his second goal of the game, his sixth of the season, just 28 seconds into the third period. Uh, Vegas and Pittsburgh are tied at three after an improbable start to the ca- uh, improbable start to the game rather for the Penguins. Jake Gensel getting his 20th goal of the season already uh, to give Pittsburgh a four to three lead, and Sidney Crosby would finish out the scoring his sixth goal of the season at the 18:52 mark of the third period. Robbie Pittsburgh wins this one by a score of five to three. They score five unanswered goals against a very good 
Pacific Division leading Vegas Golden Knights team. Uh, the, uh, the Penguins finish with 37 shots on goal. They win 46% of their faceoffs. However, they go one for three on the power play. They out-hit Vegas 32-26 to in this one. Uh, so, Robbie, Jason Zucker returns to the lineup. He's credited with two goals. Nice to see uh, you're getting some uh, more contributions from Jake Gensel. He is not slowing down whatsoever. Sidney Crosby gets on the score sheet as well. Uh, I really like to see the resilience from the Penguins. Uh, to be quite honest with you, Robbie, knowing how good the Golden Knights have been this season in the Pacific Division, they go down 3 nothing. the Penguins do, by the end of the first period. I thought the goal that Waugh scored right before the buzzer was the backbreaker on the power play, but no, that wasn't the case. Whatever Mike Sullivan told his team in the first intermission must have worked because, like I said, they score five straight goals to uh, get a very convincing score on the score sheet. Nonetheless, 5-3 to three over Vegas. Robbie, I'll hand it over to you. Uh, certainly uh, a wild game, one of the more crazy games we've seen this season. So what are your thoughts from Penguins Golden Knights on January 17th? Yeah, I can't blame you uh, for uh, calling an early night because I did the same thing when it was uh, a little uh, out of hand there in the first period to when they went down 3 nothing. Um but I I don't say it lightly, and I probably it probably it's a uh, little cliche, but it's very easy to make a case that this is the best win of the year for the Penguins because it wasn't just a three nothing comeback. Um, they did it by I mean dominating the game. When they went down three nothing, the Penguins were the better team on the ice for the remaining forty five minutes of that game. Uh, from about the last five minutes of the first period on, the Penguins dominated that hockey game and. Every underlying number, all the analytics show that the Penguins really did deserve to win that game. And they did it against a very, very good Las Vegas team. I understand Vegas does have some guys out of the lineup, but that's not the Penguins' fault. The Penguins just went out there. It was at the end of a long road trip. They easily could have uh, just gone into a shell and tried to get home after going down uh, 3-0. They'd already, at worst, they were at 500 on this road trip. but they weren't going to let that be an excuse that they were tired or any of this stuff. They went out there and they dominated a very good Golden Knights team and won that game, came back and won that game and did it in convincing fashion. Uh, Jari settled down and played very well uh, after giving up the first three goals. Uh, Credit Mike Sullivan. He could have gone to Domingue or uh, whatever he wanted to do when they went down three, nothing, but he, he stuck to his guns uh, Jari, again, he didn't have any too, too difficult saves to make, but at the end of the day, he made the saves he had to, kept the Golden Knights off the board the rest of the way, and the Penguins' offense did the rest. Uh, Jake Gensel continues to be Jake Gensel. Uh, Sidney Crosby continues to be Sidney Crosby. Uh, just when this team's clicking like this, uh, it's something to watch because the team just, uh, it's so, they're so good. And right now, a win like that, it really just kind of, and something we talked about the past couple of weeks makes you start to 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 get that feeling in your in your stomach again about what this team can do. And I understand it's only mid January, a little after mid January, long season to go, especially with not even at the halfway point yet. Believe it or not, it feels like they've been playing hockey forever. Uh, but with all the cancellations, we're not even at the halfway point yet. But all of a sudden, you see them. Oh, hey, they were after that win. They were third in the standings. 
Uh, they're within three points of the Rangers for second place. They're climbing closer to the Hurricanes. And they got games against all these teams yet, except Washington. They only, I think they only have one. Man, they don't. No, they have two left with Washington, I think, at home. But I don't think they've played the Hurricanes yet. I don't think they've played the Rangers yet. So you have these games where you're going to have a chance to kind of double your points in a four-point, six-point game, however you want to make it work, with the loser point in play. But all of a sudden, a game where the Penguins could have folded, could have gone home, got ready for Ottawa, and a big home streak coming up before the – uh, the All-Star break, they didn't fold, played their butts off, dominated the Knights the rest of the way, and found a way to come back. And that just it kind of makes you think that maybe this team, may, maybe they have maybe have that thing, that it, that it factor that makes you believe a little bit more than maybe you did uh, at the beginning of the season or uh, maybe since 2017 or 2018. Uh, and how many times have I told you over the last couple of weeks on the podcast, Robbie, uh, this team... It, it for the first time, like you said, since 2017, 18, you know, I, I have that feeling that they sit at 23, 10 and five with 50 good for 51 points right now, currently fourth in a very tight metropolitan division. But as you mentioned, uh, they have all these games coming up against divisional opponents that they haven't even seen yet. So uh, the second half of the season is going to be uh, a, a knockdown drag out kind of a brawl for the Penguins and the rest of the Metropolitan Division is concerned. Uh, so that's definitely something that we're going to be keeping an eye on as well as uh, we get into the thick of it after the All-Star break and now that there's no Olympics. We're going to be playing a lot of hockey in a very short and condensed period of time. So buckle up, baby. Uh, and we're going to see the Penguins have been impressive, but how, how impressive, how good can they be against the divisional foes to pick up points and make up ground in the division when they need to? And uh, so with that, the recap segment comes to an end, Robbie. And this week, uh, the main topic that I want to talk about this week is a little bit out there, and uh, it's a little bit crazy, but uh, seeing how uh, recently, you know, I've looked at the mailbag tweets and uh, a lot of people, and rightly so, are interested in what the Penguins, what the, what they should be doing by the trade deadline. Who should they be picking up or who should they be trading away to make their team as tough as possible? Because, and, you know, I think it's because part of it is what we're also saying, what we also believe uh, in, is that this team, for the first time in a good while, looks like they have a legitimate chance to come out of the Eastern Conference and challenge and beat just about anybody. I mean, if they can rack off five straight goals against the Golden Knights, bing, bam, boom, and win five to three. Why can't they do that against one of their divisional foes like the Rangers or the Hurricanes? So, But this week, Robbie, I, I want to uh, put a little bit of more hyper-focus into one player specifically, and that one player is Jason Zucker. We mentioned him in the Vegas recap. Uh, he returned after missing seven games and was credited in that game with two goals. But looking at Jason Zucker as a whole, seeing that he's been out, and this isn't the first time he's dealt with injury and bad luck in a Penguins uniform, uh, I think it's safe to say, at least uh, in my opinion, that the Zucker experiment hasn't worked out with great success for the Penguins. And, and the left winger has 43 points in 84 games played. And you look at that kind of, you look at those kinds of numbers uh, in what is supposed to be your second line left wing alongside of Guinea Malkin. 
it's not eye-catching or eye-popping by any means. And you look at his contributions this season. He's played in 31 games and good for six goals, seven assists, 13 points. Being that, Robbie, this isn't the regime that acquired Jason Zucker. Being that Evan Rodriguez is having a career year, and and I know Rodriguez has bounced in and out of the lineup, and he's bounced all around and played uh, several kinds of roles. Uh, Robbie, let's get crazy, and let's say Jason Zucker is involved in trade talks. And this is pure speculation on my, port, my part. Uh, there have been no rumors or anything to suggest that Jason Zucker is a candidate to be traded. But uh, let's say Jason Zucker is involved in trade discussions for the Penguins. Uh, like I said, this isn't the regime that acquired Jason Zucker. He hasn't really performed to the standard that I think a lot of people thought that uh, he was going to when he was traded, acquired by Jim Rutherford. So, Robbie, I'll ask you, would you entertain a trade for Jason Zucker if any such discussions were to come up by the trade deadline and would you hedge your bets on a guy like Evan Rodriguez cementing himself in the top six? Or would you rather keep Jason Zucker for depth purposes in case of injury through this season and potentially reevaluate in the offseason? Because uh, Zucker does count for, I believe, $5.2 or $5.3 million against the salary cap. So, you know, there is the argument that you could shift out Zucker and free up a little bit of money to maybe uh, address some other holes on the roster. But Robbie, I know this uh, this question this week is a little bit out of left field, but being that everyone is it seems like they're in a trade deadline kind of mood, let's talk about one of the candidates that I think could be a, uh, could be uh, qualify and meet the criteria for being shipped out. Uh, let's talk about Jason Zucker here. So I'll hand it over to you, Robbie. What are your thoughts? What do you make of Jason Zucker's season so far? What do you make of his tenure in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform? And would you entertain a, a trade if a trade were to come up, including Jason Zucker? Well, for I do my full input on that, um, Jason Zucker and Louis Domingue have both been placed on injured reserve. So uh, that's fun. Is that breaking news? Did we that just is, break some news? We, well, I didn't break it. I got it oh, on okay. Twitter. Um, I don't have that kind of sources. Uh, but no, so as great as Jason Zucker looked against the Golden Knights, Jason Zucker is now on injured reserve, and apparently Domingue took a bump during uh, the morning skate today and has also been placed on injured reserve. So you knew something like that was coming at some point. They couldn't all be healthy at the same time. Um, oh, as for word. trading uh, Jason Zucker, for me, not during the season because – as bad as the numbers look, and they're not great, I understand that, the process is there. And at some point, a guy like Zucker, he might not score 30 or 40. The puck's going to go start going in. He's too good of a player for the puck to stay out this, this much longer. So the Penguins, how they are right now, how they're built, Zucker just kind of fills, even if you knock him off the second line and put Rodriguez up there, I completely understand that. I have no problem with Rodriguez uh, being as high up the uh, as high up the lineup as possible. Zucker, he plays their system well. He has speed. He can't he does shoot the puck a ton. Eventually those pucks are some of those are gonna find the back of the net. And when it gets to playoff time, you need you need depth scoring as much as possible. He doesn't need to go out there and score 20 goals uh, in a playoff run. 
He just needs to go out there, play his game, get the puck on net, and when the puck gets on net, good things tend to happen at some point. And for the Penguins, their offense has been just so bad in the playoffs the last couple times they've been there that you hope that that finally break, they finally break through. They don't run into a Red Hawk goaltender. For goodness sakes, it does not look like the Islanders are going to make the playoffs this year, so we hopefully won't have to worry about them. So you just – I keep Jason Zucker on my team because I think what he does brings such an important aspect into what the Penguins are trying to do. Uh, again, the numbers aren't great. I understand that he has definitely not lived up to his contract in Pittsburgh or what the he was definitely not been worth what they traded away. But at this point, neither here nor there. I think you keep him. Now, the offseason, completely different story. Uh, again, you like you mentioned, a different regime brought him in. He wasn't brought in by Burke or Hextall. So how they view him, we don't know. And we really won't know until, I mean, at least this trade deadline and then uh, in the offseason. I don't know whether they tried to move him last offseason um, or not. Um, I think you could get decent value for him because guys like him that have a history of scoring 30 goals in the season don't just uh, pop up on the trade block all that often, especially from a team like the Penguins where maybe you work out a deal with another playoff team, maybe out west, and – you kind of make a deal where uh, it works for both teams and both teams get good assets for it. Uh, the Penguins, I think, if any trade they're going to make is going to be looking for an NHL-ready player. I don't think they're definitely not interested in trading away a uh, an NHL regular for picks or prospects or anything like that. They're going to want a guy ready to play in return because it's clear that they're a Stanley Cup contending team. Uh, but Zucker, I do not think i move him right now. Uh, even though he can't stay healthy, at some point you might need him to be healthy because the way the Penguins go, you just know someone else is going to go out of the lineup. So as far as I'm concerned, you're keeping Zucker in Pittsburgh, uh, and then we reevaluate, as they should in the offseason, reevaluate everything because um, obviously you're – and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. I see the first question, but – yeah, you, you reevaluate in the summer, but I just think that the way they get injured, he does provide something. You got to keep him uh, in the lineup as much as possible and keep him in Pittsburgh uh, throughout this season and playoff run. I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that take, Robbie. And I, I don't personally believe that Jason Zucker is a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I, even if you want to look at his possession numbers uh, in his roughly three seasons in Pittsburgh, I mean, he was a 55. A fifty-five point five percent Corsi four and a fifty-five point six Fenwick four percentage. Those are obviously uh, very, very attractive possession numbers for a forward. Uh, like you mentioned, he's a former thirty goal scorer in this league, and they obviously do not grow on trees. So uh, I, I don't want to uh, disparage or diminish Jason Zucker's contributions to the Penguins or, or, or throughout his professional career. Uh, just throwing that uh, as pure speculation as being one of the candidates with a heftier contract and uh, obviously wondering if they would uh, want to even shed his contract to, like you said, bring in another NHL-ready player, maybe a, a change of scenery kind of trade since you know it really hasn't, ha- uh, hasn't worked out for Zucker 
in Pittsburgh to this point. But, uh, Robbie, before you told me that the breaking news of Zucker going on injured reserve, I mean, I typed all this up last night before before we knew Zucker was even going to go on injured reserve. So uh, it's just uh, crazy uh, the kind of luck that the Penguins have when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, Zucker comes back for one game, scores two goals, gets the win, and immediately goes back on injured reserve. It's just the luck that this Pittsburgh Penguins team has. But let's move into the mailbag segment here. <laughs> and let's move into the mailbag segment. And like you like you uh, brought up, Robbie, uh, we have some, uh, some salary cap and trade deadline questions in this week's mailbag. If you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and you're interested in contributing to the Pennsburg Podcast mailbag, you can do so by following our Pennsburg Podcast Twitter account. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. We love getting all sorts of kinds of crazy questions from our listeners, and we have uh, quite a few different questions this week. Uh, like always, Robbie, you will get first crack at the mailbag this week. first question for you comes from Brendan, and he asks, uh, he wants to know, Assume $17 million goes to re-signing uh, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, a backup goaltender, and Chad Ruedel. Then uh, $16 million is remaining to spend on Brian Rust, which is a free agent. Kasperi Kapanen, I believe, is, an, uh, is a restricted free agent. Danton Heinen, uh, I'm not sure of his uh, restricted or unrestricted status. I know he signed a one-year deal. I'm not sure if he's uh, restricted or unrestricted. Uh, Zach Aston-Reese, Evan Rodriguez, and Jeff Carter. Uh, Brendan basically wants to know, how do you divvy it all up and which one or two players could potentially be out? Keep in mind, moving Jason Zucker, who we brought up earlier, also frees up another $5.3 million to spend in the sal- for the salary cap. Yeah, so a lot of names mentioned here, so we'll try to go through it as easy as possible and as quickly as possible. So, um, Malkin Latang, yeah, I think I, it's I like them coming back. Um, be interesting to see exactly what the money will be, but I really think that they're both coming back. Backup goaltender probably going to come cheap, whether it's re-signing Casey Smith or maybe Domingue, uh, like we talked about, just performed admirably, and they decided to uh, bring him on full time. Uh, next year and Ruedel, I I see no reason they don't try to bring back Chad Ruedel because uh, Chad Ruedel it does exactly what you expect Chad Ruedel to do and he's not going to be expensive. He I mean he'll be 32 next season, um, but he's only costing uh, 75 750 thousand against the cap. So again, not expensive, won't be expensive, um, and as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be fine because he just does what he's supposed to do. The less you hear his name, the more you know. He's doing exactly what the Penguins want him to do. So that brings us to all the pending free agents uh, that Brent, that Brendan mentioned here. Russ Kapanen, uh, Zach Gassin-Reese, Eric Rodriguez, and Jeff Carter. And then he also mentions moving Zuck, which we kind of just talked about. Uh, so again, when the Penguins brass sits down this offseason to reevaluate, hopefully it's sometime in July with the Stanley Cup sitting beside him, obviously. Um yeah, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make. Um, the interesting ones will be uh, between, I think, between Rodriguez and Russ, because I don't know if they can afford both of them. And right now, I'm, oh, man, Russ looks so good when he's on the ice. I just, I fear him not staying on the ice. But, man, it's really hard to not. But Rodriguez reminds me of the kind of guy that 
he has one hot year like this and some team like bubble team just pays him a lot of money for like four or five years. So maybe Russ becomes in the long term more affordable. I don't know. I think that's a very interesting uh, scenario. And when Russ was out and Rodriguez is playing out of his mind, I was like, oh, just keep Rodriguez. Uh, Russ can go get paid in free agency. But then Russ comes back and just doesn't stop scoring. You're like, son of a gun. Um, Kapanen is an interesting uh, piece because he is a restricted free agent. So there's a little different uh, system going on there. He can have a qualifying offer. So a lot of that's going to depend on what they can get him for. Right now he's making $3.2 million against the cap. I just don't think he does enough to to warrant uh, much more than that. So it would not be shocking to me if he is not back in Pittsburgh. Uh, then you get into Aston Reese, who's just a defensive monster. He should be able to come back cheap. And then the very interesting piece of Jeff Carter, who – just this week, when he made his return to L.A., said that going to Pittsburgh extended his career. Does that mean it extended it through the rest of his contract or even beyond this contract? Because Jeff Carter, I think, loves Pittsburgh, and I think it's no question that Pittsburgh loves Jeff Carter. If you can get Jeff Carter to stay in Pittsburgh, he's making a very odd 2.64 against the salary, the salary cap. If you can get him... Uh, for a good price on uh, maybe a year, a one-year deal or two-year deal, if he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, if he thinks that this team can win a cup or win another cup, whatever, uh, if you can get him to stay in Pittsburgh, I think you do it because he can clearly still play. Um, if you just want to do a one-year flyer or you think he can get two more years out of him, I'd say Jeff Carter comes back to Pittsburgh because uh, the fans love him here. He loves being here, it seems like. And, I mean, he had nothing but praise when asked about uh, what Pittsburgh has done for his career. So I think that you're going to have to make decisions. Oh, and Danton Heinen as well. I really love Heinen's game. Um, he's not scoring to the level that's going to make him like break the bank, uh, a team break the bank for him in the offseason. So, um, but if he gives you 20 goals, 20 goal scorers don't just fall off trees. So I think Danton Heinen could be in Pittsburgh again next year too. Your big decisions will be Rust, Erod, and I mean, what are you going to do with Kasperi Kapanen? And then uh, the Jason Zucker question as well, which we talked about, uh, trade him this offseason or uh, figure out what to do there. Uh, question number two comes from Joey Bag of Donuts. Do they need to trade anything to compete for a Stanley Cup? Well, in short, I can answer Joey's question and probably say no with the roster they currently have. That's assuming everybody everybody is in full health for a full Stanley cup run. I, they probably wouldn't need to trade for anything, but um, you know, we talked about it last week can never, I don't think you can ever have too many good defensemen for a, a playoff run. So acquiring a defenseman, I'm still in favor of, I really don't think the forward group needs to be touched for any, any real reason. Uh, again, that is, is assuming everybody is, full health for the remainder of this season. You know, nobody goes on LTIR. Nobody, you, you really, essentially you can't have a major injury. Backup goaltender we touched on last week as well. That would be another position that if Casey DeSmith doesn't work out. However, Louis Domingue's performance uh, between this week and last week has raised some eyebrows, and we talked about that earlier on in this episode. So you maybe don't even have to address that situation if you don't want to and, and give Domingue an opportunity again if Casey DeSmith continues to falter. So 
Uh, I'm not sure what's up Ron Hextall's sleeve at the moment, whether he's even engaged in trade talks is another uh, another question entirely uh, that I don't know as well. Uh, but again, my, my thought process has always been uh, you can never have too many good defensemen for a Stanley Cup playoff run. So that would be what I would probably trade for to help compete for a Stanley Cup. Question number three comes from Tony Nikonen, and he replied to Joey's tweet, Joey Bag of Donuts. He replied to his tweet, and he says, I'll continue from here. We know what the management has said, but here is what we need. This is what Tony believes. Uh, A backup goalie and an upgrade over Zucker or Kapanen. Include one, in parentheses, include one of those players in that trade. Maybe an extra defenseman. We should also be able to give up any prospect what are your guys' take on these suggestions? Well, the good news is the Penguins don't really have any prospects to give up. Yeah, the cupboard is, we've talked about, barren there. So you're going to be looking more at draft picks, which, listen, the Penguins, we know they're going to be picking probably at best like 20th this year. Dude, just, yeah, get rid of your first-round picks if that's what it takes to make a deal. Um, backup goalie, I don't really think trading Zucker or Kapanen is necessary for a backup goalie. Um, again, maybe Dominguez is the answer there. An extra D, uh, I think they would probably go with Pierre-Olivier Joseph before uh, breaking the bank for an extra defenseman. It depends on what you want that extra defenseman to do. Uh, we should be able to give up any prospect, absolutely. I, I don't think – I think if you look at the list of prospects, there's probably a few that are on the we're not going to trade this guy list, but that list is very short. Zucker, Kapanen, I just don't think that either are going to get traded. Um, I don't think, again, with the Penguins' injuries and what those two guys bring to the game, they're both fast. They both do like to shoot. I know the numbers aren't there, but they still provide – they're not complete anchors. The contracts aren't perfect, but at this point you worry about the contracts in the offseason because I just think when the Penguins are fully stacked, that that includes Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen, they're a very hard team to beat. Um, and those guys do bring um, something to the team. They're not just dead weight. So, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I understand the contract's not perfect, but I think that's a problem you worry about in the offseason. And what we've talked about in the past, like what do they need? We've talked about backup goaltender. We've talked about maybe some defensive depth. And, yeah, I mean, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke are probably going to search the market for that. But at the same time, they're in a position now where they don't necessarily need to break the bank for – a big a big name player now if i'm trying to think of a name that could possibly become available that would be worth trading a first round pick for like if you have the opportunity to go out there and get from a team that's out of the playoffs a very very top end player then the conversation changes you find room in your in your lineup for a guy like that but unless that becomes available that's all hypothetical so i mean overall we know what they we've kind of discussed what they need I don't think they're going to give up much unless uh, or have to give up much unless that big time name comes available. They just can't say no to uh, for the right price. So that's where I kind of sit on that. And the last question, question number four, comes from Brendan again with no deadline moves. So I guess that means they just completely say, Pat, what final result would you consider a success for this roster? Stanley Cup, Conference Final, Round 2, or Round 1? My pessimism is showing in that uh, let's get through Round 1 first uh, before, <laughs> before we uh, 
before we jump on any sort of crazy, crazy uh, celebratory bandwagon or anything like that. Uh, the Penguins have struggled mightily in recent years and at least trying to get out of round one. But uh, to, to be a bit more serious here and answer the question with a bit more uh, seriousness, uh, I think every year, to be quite honest with you, every year it's Stanley Cup or bust as long as this roster is intact the way it is and as long as you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang playing at a high level. Uh, history dictates, logic di- dictates, the odds dictate that it's obviously incredibly hard to win a Stanley Cup. You need a lot of bounces, a lot of puck luck, a lot of luck from the the health aspect to go your way. So, you know, saying every year it's Stanley Cup or bust kind of paints a season with unrealistic expectations if they don't win a Stanley Cup, uh, to be honest with you. The Penguins, for the rest of the Crosby-Malkin era, are playing with house money after what they accomplished in 16 and 17. So if they do manage to squeeze one more championship out, that'll just be the cherry on top of the icing on top of the cake, as far as I'm concerned. But for the average fan, they would probably it would probably consider a Stanley Cup or bust because Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are still here and still playing at a relatively high level despite them you know, despite them being on the downswing of their career. So Stanley Cup or bust probably for the average fan. For me, I think my expectations are tempered just a little bit more, maybe grounded in reality a little bit more than your average diehard Pittsburgh Penguins fan. But that's just me. That's just who I am. So that's probably what I would consider a success. I'll just say Stanley Cup or bust for the average fan. But uh, that will do it. That wraps up the mailbag. And Robbie, that wraps up another episode of the Pensburg podcast. So for Robbie Noggle, I have been Gareth Behanna. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Pensburg podcast. And we will catch you all again next week.